I mean, seriously, Josh, why don't you like sports? I just think it's the same thing over and over again. It's, you know, people chasing a ball around a field or hitting a ball with a stick or running around in circles. Do, do you not sometimes get the feel for the, uh, the excitement going on and the atmosphere in, in the stadium or anything like that? Does that not give you any sort of a, a buzz? Oh, yeah, live sport's more interesting, but watching sport on TV is generally really boring. I sometimes watch the Olympics, something like that. What, what about things like motorsports or, you know, F1 rally, anything like that? I like motorsports more yeah. than other kinds of sports, but I think I like the uh, the engineering of motorsports as much as I like the actual competition. Right. Have you ever sat down and watched a really high-level soccer game, anything like that? And the atmosphere coming through the TV on some of those games, like a like a Champions League final or something like that. Soccer is probably one of my least favourite sports to watch on TV. I, I find it really boring. Right, okay. And, not, and it's just because the, you think it's monotonous? Yeah, particularly soccer because there's so little scoring. There's, like, I'm sure if you're really into it, there's excitement in the, you know, getting close to getting a goal but yep. yeah for me that's just, just does nothing for does you nothing for me have you ever gone to a, a a soccer game like in a stadium no i don't think i ever have actually yeah, we might have to do a little bit of a bit of a uh, experiment one day maybe take you to a soccer game and see if you report back and see if you've changed your view on on it yeah, I've been to a few uh, rugby and NRL games live, and they're definitely better live than they are on TV. Oh yeah, no doubt. I, I mean, they're always better, better live. I find too. But um, obviously, when somebody like me who's a Premier League fan, it's a bit hard to go to a Premier League game when you live uh, half a world away. So you've got to put up with the uh, the TV at four o'clock in the morning to, to watch it. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. I, no matter how much I like the sport, I could never be excited enough. To get up at 4am to watch a game. Right. So you've obviously never... Not having that excitement, you'd never have have had the disappointment of somebody ruining the score for you before you've had a chance to watch no, it. No, I'm like, never concerned about spoilers. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. That was a, a big thing that Al and I uh, uh, touched on on the, on the pilot episode, I believe it might have been. Um, people ruining scores for us or ruining results of races and, and whatnot. But uh, anyway. Yeah, even when I... Uh used to watch F- F1 uh, pretty regularly, you know, if, if I found out the score, I'd still watch the, the game I'd recorded. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't, that bit didn't really bother me. No, so. I think with F1, you can kind of get away with it because there's still, you know, other things to watch. But when you know the result of a, of a football game or a soccer game or something like that, the excitement's kind of taken away from you because you know that somebody's, you know, who, whoever's going to win and it's just like, oh... You might see your team score, but you know that the other team's going to win. So it's you know the excitement's gone because you yeah. know you know the outcome. So anyway, so also you didn't uh, didn't stay up and watch the State of Origin on uh, on Wednesday. No, no, I, I was thinking back the other week because somebody asked me whether I'd be watching the State of Origin, and I think it's been about five years since I watched any State of Origin game. Right. So do you even know what the result was? No. You don't even know who won. No idea. So. If I told you that New South Wales won, would that make you make you feel like a proud New South Welshman, or you couldn't no, care less? No, it, it just surprised me because you know Queensland's been smashing New South Wales the last few years. Yeah, but uh, yeah, fair enough. So, just in case the listeners don't know what's going on here and where Alan is, Alan Alan's not here. 
Um, Josh is filling in for him, um, so he's our, our guest um, appearance for the night. Um, we're going to touch a little bit more on on Alan not being here a little bit later. I think we might um, we might give him a bit of a buzz and and uh, slag him off for dogging us on a, on our third episode, three episodes in, and he can't, can't be bothered to show up. It's ridiculous. No anyway. commitment. Sorry? No commitment. No commitment whatsoever. So we'll, we'll go back to that later on. Um, Josh, Alan and I uh, went and watched Spider-Man on Tuesday night. Just gone. Uh, thoughts, Josh, on, on Spider-Man? How did, you, how did you rate it? Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. But I think, you know, the, the caliber of current, you know, recent Marvel movies has, you know, steadily been getting higher and higher. And I felt, you know, this most recent spider-man just doesn't quite live up to the quality of the um the, the others like the you know latest avengers movies or even captain marvel i've enjoyed more than and the was it this Spider-Man. storyline or was it what was it yeah i guess it's just the uh you know the spider-man movies are always kind of this lighter kind of humor and i think with this one they kind of couldn't quite decide whether they wanted to make it a serious movie about him you know, kind of, yeah, coming and becoming a, a superhero, or whether he just wanted to to live his life, and yeah. that kind of. They, I don't think they could really decide whether they wanted to do that or just have a a light kind of fun romp where he, you know, gets up to uh, teenage antics and. Fair enough. Yeah. And what what was your thoughts on the on the Jake Gyllenhaal character? Spoilers if you haven't watched it. How did you feel about him actually being a baddie in this? Uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, that was all right. I, I don't think it was too surprising for a- anyone who kind of, um, you know, follows Marvel stuff. Uh, uh, I was actually surprised. I thought he was going to be a, a goodie in it, <laughs> if I'm right, honest. You, you thought he was kind of going to become one of the new uh, kind of yeah, uh, thought, a- Avenger characters. I thought so, but I must admit, probably... About five minutes before they revealed the fact that he was he was you know wasn't one of the the superheroes, I kind of picked uh, what's going on here. There's going to be a twist. He's probably probably not portraying. So I was a, a little bit um a little bit disappointed by that. I thought he was going to be goody, but anyway, sorry about the noise there. Just tightening up my mic. Yeah. So one of the other things I touched on at the cinema was the fact that I didn't I, I wasn't happy about the. Uh, you know they've got these movies. They're doing them in you know international places. Yeah, you think they do their homework on these places that they're you know they're doing them in. But I will apologise for one thing. I did say I did mention the fact that there's no white cliffs in Dorset. I was wrong. I actually looked that up. I was wrong. So there is a possibility that those white cliffs that they filmed were in Dorset. However, the Crown Jewels, that room, completely wrong definitely wrong the scout should have definitely had a better uh, better look at uh, what was going on there i reckon yeah you'd think that you know maybe tourists aren't allowed to take photos in there but you'd think uh you know kind of researchers for a movie would be able to take some photos to uh, do a better job of of getting that right well not even photos i mean you could go off memory i reckon i could even pretty much go off memory of what that place looks like and give a fairly decent description of the inside of of the vault where the crown jewels are you know, without having to take photos, it, it's um, it was just bizarre. But anyway, yeah, yeah, you kind of think with the the um, the, the level of budget that these you know kind of uh, a a grade movies have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh yeah, I but, mean, yeah, they could afford to uh, 
you know, make a decent set for that. I mean, I know the budget on uh, Endgame was astronomical, if I'm honest with you. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was it was fairly up there. I'm just going to have a look at uh, Spider-Man's nice little budget. They probably had a... Let me have a look here. I think the the overall budget of the movie was probably a lot less because it had less really big name stars in it. I mean, you look at an Avengers yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. And the majority of the, the budget for those movies is just paying the stars. I mean, they're... They're all probably, uh, you know, most of the main characters would be on uh, ten million dollars and up. Oh yeah, so the budget of Spider-Man was one hundred and sixty million. Yeah, and it's already grossed five hundred and seventy-seven million. So a pretty good investment, really. Yeah, well, I mean, most of these movies, you know, it's not like they have, they lose too much money. I mean, they even make money on shit movies like um, Sharknado and stupid crap like that. I think Meg made heaps of money as well. <laughs> Yeah, I think you'll be shocked. I'll, I'll actually pull that up in a minute and have a look. I think you, you'll be shocked how much money the Meg made, and how much it cost to make as well. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing with the Sharknado movies. They cost nothing to make. No, they're, they're probably like you know less than fifty million dollars to make. Yeah, and they actually do decently. Well, the budget on Endgame was three hundred and fifty-six million to make it, but it's it's already pulled in two point seven billion. Yeah, so it, it's uh, doing it's doing all right. Yeah, in anyone's book, that's pretty good return on investment. Yeah, I mean, any time you double your money and some, you, you're doing pretty good, in my eyes, anyway. So the Meg, the Meg, have a guess what the budget for the Meg was. I'd say well, it's got a couple of reasonably well paid stars. I'd say eighty, ninety million. Hundred and thirty million. Almost, okay. almost the same as Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, that's and it's grossed five hundred and thirty uh, million. Mm. So it's it's done all right too. I'm actually interested now. I don't know. <laughs> just recording me looking at IMDb. This must be fun for everyone. Um, Sharknado. Just the first Sharknado would have cost nothing. I, re- I reckon that'd be a couple of million dollars if that. One million is the estimate, <laughs> yep. and there's there's no no information there for how much it's it's gotten in. I don't think Sharknado probably made much at the box office. Because it kind of became a cult hit a while after it had come out. So I think mostly it probably um, did sales on DVD and yeah. you know, the licensing for streaming services and stuff. I think that's why they made so many more of them. Because they went, well, this was really popular, but we probably actually didn't make very much money out of it. Let's make some more and see if we can get people to actually go to the cinema to watch it. Yeah, well, it looks like they're all sort of, you know, one, one point five, two, three million dollars. Not a not a massive amount, and you can tell that from watching them. I've honestly you get what you pay for. I, I've never watched one. I've I tried to watch one, and I got about twenty minutes in, and just oh, nah, this is just fucking shit. Yeah, they're they're low B grade, at, uh, yeah, approaching C grade in terms of uh, the quality of production. You would think, though, that it would cost more to make that movie than it would have made would have cost to have made Jaws back in nineteen seventy five. Uh, but Jaws though was a big movie. Yeah, but the actual dollars. Oh, the actual dollars. Yeah, counting for inflation. Yeah, I don't know. What, what did Jaws cost? Jaws cost $8 million to make. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, it, was a, it was a big Hollywood movie. Yeah. Jaws 3D? When did that come around? That can't be right. Quite recently. Oh, it's I just a, is that just like a re... I don't know remastering, I think, of yeah. the, the original, wasn't it? Well, see, this is where one kind of shat its pants a little bit. Jaws Revenge? Is it Jaws Revenge? Is that what it's called? The last one? Yeah, Jaws, The Revenge. The last one they made. It cost $23 million 
to make by, back in the eighties, and yeah. it only grossed thirty one million. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, I mean, they still make money, so you can't go too wrong. But you know, I think yeah, back in those days, the the quality of uh, movies rapidly went down after the first one. You get a lot of good first movies, but sequels, yeah, never seem to you know do as well these days. Yeah, I think the studios recognise that uh, you know the, the power and value of a franchise. It's worth putting a lot of money and effort into making sequels, and they know they can get people back to them. Talking about franchises, then, are you going to be all in for the Hobbs and Shaw, Fast and Furious <laughs> bullshit that's about to enter the uh, screens? I, look, I don't think I'm going to bother going to the movies to see that. They've, no. they've, they've gone so far uh, on the ridiculous spectrum. I think I'll just wait for that to come on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix or some other medium. So what else have I got here pretty much let's 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 talk about Alan what's going on with Alan why isn't he here let's give him a ring and find out what the hell's going on and then we'll just waffle on until we find something else that's that's worth recording what's the bet and he doesn't pick up or he can't talk Alan, What's up? Say, say hello to the millions and millions that are listening around the world. Hello, everybody. Why did you think that it was necessary to dog the millions of listeners we've got by not turning up on the third episode, Alan? What was so important? It's a family holiday. Family holiday. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that's a, a good enough excuse. What do you reckon, Josh? No commitment. No commitment. What is... <laughs> I asked her to do it on Thursday. <laughs> I don't remember hearing that. Oh, I'm sure you guys are going okay. Yeah, no, we're going all right. We just wanted to give you a call and uh, uh, give you a bit of shit, basically, on the podcast. What What are you up to at the Blue Mountains? Anything fun? Uh, well, right now we're playing a board game. Oh, yeah? What, is it that new board game you bought? No, not sure at all. We're playing Escape from Atlantis. The fun family game where you eat each other with sharks and sea monsters. Yep, everyone loves that. <laughs> so what have you guys been chatting about? Uh, so far we've talked about the State of Origin, which didn't last too long, because Josh is, as we know, Josh is a massive fan. No, it's all about, it's all about I like to double check and see who won. You, you didn't watch it either? <laughs> no. Brilliant. Um, and we talked about uh, why... Hey? Had a, a good match there. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Spider Man. We've talked a bit about movies and uh, we've also yeah. talked about why Josh doesn't like sports. Because he's a broken human. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> would fill a hole in his life. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll let you get back to your board game. Oh, that's all you had to ask me. Well, I don't know. Would, would, have you got anything you'd like to like to talk about? We don't want to disturb your game too much. I, I thought I could still do the weekly burger report. Oh, yeah? Have you had a burger this week? Yeah, we got down to sneaky burgers for lunch during the week. The greasy nuggets? Yeah. I um, bonused up with the uh, chili fries. Yep. I nearly died. It was too much food. T- too much food or too much grease? Well, one, one of... Each. <laughs> so it's funny you say that. I was listening to uh, Talk Sports today, 
and they were talking to a Scottish bloke online, uh, and they were saying that he, uh, what what kind of food does he get from his hometown? And he was like, oh, you know, you get battered pizza, battered Twixes. Basically, just battered everything. Well, it's, you know, it's Scotland. They batter everything. They deep fat fry kebabs. Man, I think I think the UK should have encouraged them to leave. That sounds nasty. Yeah. So, I'm just wondering, what's the what's the nastiest deep fried food you've had? I don't know. It's probably all pretty standard stuff. I do like I do like a good crab stick. A what? Crab stick. Crab know, stick. The, yeah. The orange nugget of suspiciously homogenous meat. Yeah, it, I, I'm pretty sure it's not meat. I'm I'm pretty sure it's some sort of gelatin construction. All, all this time I've been vegetarian. I didn't know it. <laughs> Um, anyway, that, that, was, that, was the, that was the Burger Gong weekly report. Burger Gong, Burger Town. I was, I was, I was happy to let you guys down, but not let down the burgers. Fair enough. Did Sneaky Burger live up to its uh, reputation? What was that, Josh? Did Sneaky Burger live up to its re- reputation? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. There. Every time I go down there, they've added more sort of signage, more furniture. Looks like they're settling in to stay. Is it? Did you go to the one in Wollongong or the one in Albion Park? Wollongong. Wollongong. Okay, I haven't been there, so I don't even know where it is. <laughs> it's just around, the, just around the corner from Jimmy's. Competition. So there's, there's a bit of fierce competition. That's right. Is that Jimmy's the other one that I don't like? Yeah, that's one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. No worries. Well, thanks for the burger report, and we'll uh, check in with, try a different burger joint next week. All right, guys. Have fun. Thanks, mate. Catch you later. So deep fried food, what's the nastiest deep fried food you've had, Josh? Well, being a vegetarian, most of the deep fried food isn't too nasty, really. Um, you know, I'm actually a big fan of the uh, the potato scone, which yep. is just another way of frying potato. I mean, you, just can have, you have chips and your scallop together. They're just both deep fried potato. Yeah, and I think a scallop, to be fair, I'm a big fan of a potato scallop as well, or... or for some of our listeners, it might be called a potato cake. But, yeah, I don't know. They're greasy. Oh, they're not good. Let's no, let's be honest. They're, they're, they they're taste not. great, I, I think, but they're disgusting. I think the reason they taste so good is because the batter holds more oil and more salt. Because they're definitely saltier than yeah. your average chips. Unless you add heaps of salt to your chips they're they're generally saltier than do you when you get a scallop do you like squeeze it in the paper to try and suck some of the grease out of it no you just need it full grease grease. yep (laughs) i want all the fat yeah so what have you ever had like a deep fried mars bar or anything disgusting like that no no okay haven't had any of the exotic deep fried things Uh, apart from deep fried ice cream but that's pretty standard would you go as far as to say that a deep fried mars bar is exotic (laughs) well exotic in terms of deep fried food okay so i'll tell you uh, you may have heard this story before but um when we were over in the uk uh me and my wife and my son we uh we were in glasgow and i was trying to watch some um, soccer on the tv and catherine was getting hungry and she's like oh we'll go down the fish and chip shop and get something to eat and I said, yeah, do you mind if I stay here? She said, no, no, what do you want? I said, oh, steak and kidney pie or yeah, something like that and some chips. Anyway, they come back. There you go. I was like, yep, yeah, no worries. And they're just staring at me, waiting for me to eat my food. I'm like, what's what's going on? And they're like, no, nothing. 
nothing with their eyes sort of something sus was going on anyway bite of the pie and didn't really think much of it and they're like how's the pie and i'm like why did you drop it on the floor or something and they're like no no and i'm like what did you do to it and they're like we didn't do anything to it i'm like something's happened to this pie i'm like did the bloke drop it on the floor in a place and they're like no 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 anyway i got halfway through and they're like is the pie still good and i'm like yeah it's perfectly fine why and they're like he deep fried it and like, what do you mean? He said they got the pie out of the freezer and just chucked it straight in the fryer. Oh, straight frozen to deep fried. Yeah. Nice. So, I'll be honest, it wasn't that bad. I did, however, feel like I might have had a heart attack or a mild heart attack afterwards. I was getting slight chest pains. Whether that was all in my head, probably. But, yeah, my uncle did tell me about this before, that they deep fried stuff like that. And it was funny, after that moment, that's when I realised, yes, they do. Because we walk around all these places and you go past a kebab shop and they're like, yeah, we deep fry your kebab. How do you deep fry a kebab? I have no idea. I'm not sure if they batter it. Like, I thought with the pie, when my uncle told me that they deep fried a pie, <laughs> that they would batter it and hoik it in. Not just straight in. Well, I guess so, if, you, if you're putting it in frozen, yeah, I guess then you probably okay. don't need to batter it. And a pie is generally, like, the pastry generally is sealed. Yeah. So it's, it's not like it's going to leak out into the... But I, the oil. I also thought when he told me about pizza, like when you order a slice of pizza from a takeaway in Scotland, deep and, he, fry it for and they said they deep fry it. I thought he meant they just hoik it straight in, but I thought, how's that going to work? Like all the cheese and everything is going to come off it. But now I'm hearing that they batter the, the pizza. Battered pizza. Ooh. And I'm, I'm wondering, is it just like normal cheese pizza or do they do like a Meat Lovers or a Supreme and they... I mean, it's, does it really matter if you're going to batter and deep fry it? I don't know, but like, I'm slightly intrigued. I really think I should maybe have to try it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll have to go to Domino's, order a pizza, and then drive up to the takeaway up the road and ask them if they can just dip it in some batter and what you get. Yeah, they'll probably look at me like I'm a maniac. Yeah, well, you can make up your own batter and get the. Get some oil out and uh, just pull anything out of your fridge. Have you ever cooked... And just batter it and fry it. Yeah, that's a good it's a good idea in theory. However, have you ever deep fat fried stuff in your house? Yes. And when, like how many months has it been <laughs> before the smell starts to dissipate in the house? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not pleasant. No, you can, you can always, always know when someone's got a deep fat fryer in the house because you open the door... And it smells like a fish and chip shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to have one. I actually went to the extremes of, I'd save up old like free newspapers and stuff, trying to get the authentic thing going. And I'd deep fat fry my chips and I'd get chicken salt and all sorts of stuff. And it was only one day, I must have been away for a couple of days and I came home and opened the door and I was like, oh, this house just stinks like a fish and chip shop. I've got to stop. Mm. It was Especially if you're doing it regularly. Well, it was semi-regularly, like a couple times a week at least, um, when I was a bit younger. And yeah, I, I even went down to the wholesalers to get my chips. Like I'd get my like a massive bag of chips, like the same yeah, ones that tw- twenty kilo bag of frozen chips. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was mental. Um, Alan touched on the fact that uh, he he didn't realise that he was a vegetarian because he was eating the crab sticks and they're not even meat. You're you're a vegetarian, that's right. Yeah. And have been for a long time. Have been for a long time, and um, I've been on holidays with you a few times, and um, sometimes it's been a little bit of a struggle getting decent food as a vegetarian. Yeah, it depends on the uh, on the place. Kind of smaller 
country towns and that kind of thing tend to have limited range of uh, range of foods. But mm. places that have you know, particularly you get you go to in Australia you go to Thai restaurants or you know Italian or anything like that, and it's pretty easy to get you know decent vegetarian options these days. Yep. So German food usually not very good for you. German foods is probably close to the worst. Yeah. I mean, there's not really many options at a German restaurant for uh, for vegetarian. I mean, you could get some dumplings and some sauerkraut, and that'd be about your lot, wouldn't yeah. it? Really? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Strange. If you're lucky, they might have a few different kinds of potato. You can have you can have your mashed potato. You can have your boiled potato. You can have your fried potato. Yeah, but that's about it. I wonder why they don't do like a vegetarian sausage, like a German style sausage. Like put some I don't know what they do with. Kranskis or whatever, put some spice in there and some flavourings and some cheese and stuff like that. I don't know. Well, I guess there's probably just not demand for it. I think most people who like German food like meat and lots of meat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're all like schnitzel platters and pork knuckles and yeah and sausages. Anyway, going back to the vegetarian thing, it always interests me as to why people have chosen to be a vegetarian. What's what's your reason? Uh, it started off when I was young. Uh, mostly being because I didn't want to eat animals. Yep. Um, uh, as I've got older, it's kind of extended beyond that into a health thing. It's it's kind of easy to eat healthily if you cut out meat. Like, it's easier. Yep. You don't really have to think so much about what you eat because as long as you don't eat meat, you're probably eating okay. Yep. Um, and it's also now, it's, it's environmentally good to... Um, you know, be vegetarian rather than eating meat. Meat production is kind of very resource and, you know, um, greenhouse intensive. Yep. And that includes um, seafood and all that sort of stuff? Well, I never liked seafood anyway, so no. that wasn't a great loss. I'm not yeah, I'm not, I'm not a seafood fan either, if I'm perfectly honest with you. If it's the only option, then I'll, I'll eat it. But, yeah, never been a big fan of seafood. It's, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it is about the, the flavour of seafood. It's just flavor the texture the smell yeah never found it appealing no no i'm with you on that one uh what's what's been happening this week in the world i I looked at the news earlier on and there was just there was nothing worth talking about yeah it's mostly just the same shit yeah i mean did you hear about did you hear about the baby that uh that fell out of a window in a cruise ship and fell like 12 stories and got killed and now the the (laughs) that's a that's an uplifting yeah oh yeah so (laughs) so (laughs) grandfather was holding a baby uh, up against a railing or something or other in, in a Royal Caribbean ship. I think it was Royal Caribbean. Don't quote me on that one. And um, the child and the grandfather might have thought that there was a window in front of the railing and the child's gone to hit the window or push up against the window and uh, no window. So it's whoop, open. Ooh. out she goes. And now the grandfather's suing the cruise ship company. Because boats... Are on the water, or but not every opening is sealed airtight. Well, I'm not sure what he's trying to. I think he's trying to make out like it should have been. A, there should have been a window there. I'm not. Right. I'm not entirely sure what's going on. Obviously, his responsibility of looking after the child has gone out the window as soon as he stepped on board a cruise ship. Yeah, yeah. Which is well, you. well that seems to be the ad- attitude of a lot of parents when they go to uh, go on cruises. True. Yeah, it's just an opportunity to just let you kids run free and uh well i don't think it's just the kids i think most a lot of the a lot of the adults 
act like complete spastics on these ships as well, hmm. as we can attest to. Yeah, yeah. Having yeah. having cat fights and uh, punch ups in the middle of the dining hall. Yeah. yeah, well, that wasn't us. That was let me just clear that one up. There was uh, <laughs> yeah, middle of elegant dining night. Everyone's got their uh, their best clothes and everything on, and uh, some people just decide to have a, a a brawl in the middle of the dining hall and beat the shit out of each other. Basically, it's ridiculous. Anyway, and I didn't get to see any of it. No, so no, disappointed. Very disappointed with our uh, table placement that evening. <laughs> well, in saying that, I'm actually glad we were upstairs. I didn't really don't want to uh, be involved in that shit. Um, so cru- cruises. Let's go on that. Not for you. Yeah, I was a little disappointed with that cruise. Yeah. Um, just the the quality of the entertainment. I yeah. Think. I'm yeah. going to back you on that one. It was pretty poor. Yeah, the, the concept of cruising, uh, I'm, I'm not against. I think, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a very relaxing form of form of holiday. Like, yep. once you've turned up on the ship, like, you really don't need to think about anything. Yep. You just, you know, go and do whatever on the ship and you don't have to worry about anything, food or anything like that until you get off the ship again. It's, That's right. The one thing I've noticed with cruises is the, the more you're prepared to spend the better the entertainment and everything else is. So, um, I mean, you start at your bottom end, really, your cheaper cruises with P&O, and then you get your Carnival, which is what we went on, and then you go sort of your Royal Caribbean, and then your Norwegian, and then if you step up to your sort of celebrity and those sorts of ones, and you can generally tell that they're better because they're, they're quite a big step up in price. So, I mean, just your average sort of seven-night cruise, say, is going to cost you... $800 on a P&O and a Carnival is going to be about $1,000. At Royal Caribbean, you're going to be looking around the $1,200 mark and then you step up to the celebrity cruises and they're sort of like two and a half to $3,000. And that sort of gives you that idea of you're probably getting that little bit better. Um, entertainment, food, everything else. Uh, I've also noticed too with those sorts of cruises, they... Um, they either limit the amount of children on board and or they just don't allow them all together. Yeah. Which um, I'm not really against. I think it's a great idea to some respect. I mean, if you're going to relax, the, the last thing you want is someone else's kid being a pain in your ass, basically. Yeah. Which, yeah. unfortunately, with the carnival cruises, can be the case because there's a lot of kids on there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, some cruises have got to be, uh, you know, family cruises because... Oh yeah, yeah. and I think families that's... want to go on them. But uh, if you're not taking your family along, then yeah, no. you're probably better off on one that uh, you know doesn't have kids on board. That's right. But the other thing that I've also heard um, from customers of mine is um, the bigger the ship, um, not necessarily that great. Like there's a, a ship that comes into Australia now called the Ovation of the Seas. Now everyone wanted to get on board this ship last year when it first started coming in because it holds like four and a half thousand passengers or something ridiculous it's it's mental when you see it it's just it's ridiculous the amount of windows and balconies on this thing um but when i picked up the first lot of customers that i took up there for it they um they weren't real happy they were quite annoyed because because of the amount of people on board they just couldn't get to do anything like every time they went to go somewhere there was just so many people wanting to do Mm. the same thing it's just i mean you know there might be a lot more things to do on a bigger boat but there's also an equal number more people wanting to do those things at the yeah. same time. And so what had happened on one of the things that was on this cruise on this ship, it's got like this. Um, it's like a big viewing ball 
I suppose is one way of describing it. It's on like a crane arm, and when it's out at sea, you get in it. Um, it's much like a like the London Eye or something like that sort of. You get in it, and it swings out outside the boat. So it's just sort of hanging off the side of the boat and gives you a bit of a different sort of view of the ship and the sea and all that sort of stuff. And obviously everybody wanted to go on it because it's, you know, the only ship in, that comes into Australia that's got it. And uh, yeah, apparently if you didn't book the minute you got on board, no chance. Not a chance of getting on there because every, you know, one of those 4,000 people on board wanted to do it and the ship's only gone for seven days. Yeah, it's, it's just a, not physically possible to get everybody into that one one thing no that's right so yeah so they were a little disappointed and ever since then off this sort of probably not really a, a cruise that i'd really want to go on hmm. after that so but maybe while we're talking about cruises josh we could uh, touch on our um our antics on the cruise on trying to win a trophy <laughs> well we managed to win multiple trophies at the end in the we, end we had, a, we had a slow start it took us nearly all like a whole week to get there though before we yeah. even got the first one so it was kind of funny. I think we got got a bit of a, a thing that we both... Well, we wanted to win a trophy. And we started, started going to all the trivia, all of the... Anything that you could win a trophy, we'd turn up to. And we just could not could not catch a break. Um, we're both a bit Star Wars-y fans and a bit nerdy like that. And uh, had a Star Wars trivia and... We didn't do very well. No, it was actually quite much, much harder than I I thought it would be on it. I mean, the questions like were ridiculous. Yeah, it, they you, they'd have to have been cheating to have gotten the answers right. I reckon. Yeah, they were. It was nuts. Anyway, either that or they're yeah much much bigger Star Wars fans than we are. But well, there's always that possibility, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, funnily enough, though, when I went on another carnival cruise with my son and my wife. Um, Won another couple of trophies. And a medal. A medal? Yeah. Wow. I can't remember what the medal was for. I think it was like coming second or something. Yeah. yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I think our best results in the trivia really started on the way home when the seas got rough and people started staying away. Well, that's right, because I remember... Because we had the commitment to go there, even though we were slightly seasick, or I was. I yeah. I think you were right. I was, I was fine. I remember going to one of the trivias and even it was too much for you and I think you decided to have a bit of a nap. Yeah, and I turned up to trivia, and there was like no one there, and even the, the staff member that was coming to run the trivia, she turned up, and she looked rough as guts, and she was just like, "Oh, I, I don't feel well. I've been doing this for twenty years, and I've never felt this sick before." And admittedly, usually the boat will rock side to side or backwards and forwards. This this time it was doing everything. It, it was a nice corkscrew action. Yeah, so I, I can see why. You know, it was it was touching on everyone's nerves, but I don't know why. I just don't, I don't seem to get seasick on bigger ships, and I'm just sitting there having a beer, loving it, because I could just walk around. This had almost had the ship to myself because everyone was in their in their rooms, mm. but there wasn't many people about, so kind of got a consolation trophy. That was uh, I don't know I don't know how to feel about that. Whether I should <laughs> feel uh, victorious or commitment. It's, it's- it's not about your uh, trivia skill. It's about commitment. Or well, lack of trivia skill. Because I, <laughs> yeah. I won by default. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, last week, jo- um, Alan and I had a quick chat about how we became friends and how we met each other. And and uh, so, Josh, tell us how, how we became friends and how we know each other. 
Well, I, I think, you know, it's uh, pro- probably a similar meeting to uh, to you and Al at uh, land parties yep. uh, back in the early 2000s. Yep. Um, which, interestingly, is actually probably how I know more than half my uh, current friends is from playing computer games. Yep, fair enough. Um, which, you know, I guess is not particularly surprising how considering <laughs> how nerdy I am. Yep. Um, now, do you remember, were you there... SCL the time so, I was at every SCL so so yes I I'm, was there I'm just now I want to recall something because Alan Alan said last week um, th- that I was acting like a dickhead okay and this is why he didn't like me initially because that's when we first met was SCL but obviously Alan and I became friends through motorcycles so do you remember the shenanigans when we were playing Battlefield uh can't specifically remember so, uh, the, the battlefield shenanigans of SCL. I recall it very well. We were playing Battlefield Vietnam. Everyone's doing shenanigans. So I think everyone's just piled onto, into a jeep or into a helicopter. And the helicopter's picked Picking the jeep. Up the jeep. Yeah, yep. and flying around. So everyone's in it except me. I've decided to get into a phantom jet. And I'm flying around. And I basically shoot the helicopter out of the sky and kill everybody. <laughs> And Alan cracked the shits and kicked me off the game. <laughs> and apparently I'm the dickhead. I don't get it because I thought it was shenanigans. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, pretty much anything goes really. Yeah, Yeah. so I killed everyone and, and Alan doesn't like it. So I have to call you out, Alan. I think you were the dickhead for kicking me out because that was definite shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, I think the shenanigans I liked the most were the, uh, the Counter-Strike shenanigans where... Yeah, would make the rule where you couldn't have any weapons uh, except the knife. Oh, and so stabbings and, only? Stabbings only. So you pick a nice small map, get the entire land party, so there'd probably be like 30 people in this smallest map possible, all with knives, just chasing each other around around circles. Yep. And then inevitably, at you know, 5 o'clock in the morning, this would uh, devolve into whoever was running the server, changing the server settings to adjust gravity, in the game, while people were running around trying to stab each other with knives, you'd have very low gravity, so they'd jump in the air and fly a few, you know, 20, 30 metres, because <laughs> it's like jumping on the moon. Um, one of the other things that used to uh, used to happen at lands is you'd always have a few people that were just obsessed with porn at, at a land, <laughs> shall we say. Everyone would be playing video games and enjoying themselves, and you'd just you'd sort of look up from your monitor and... Cause it, just to give everyone the picture, you'd have like rows of tables and there'd be like, I don't know, eight to ten people in a row and you'd have like three or four rows maybe of tables. Um, so you could look up, if you were at the back of the room and generally it was the last in, was at the back of the room or, or the, the, the not so, um, how can I put it, the people that, that come, come late to the party, not late turning up, but just late to the party, they sort of seem to be yeah, more at the, the back the of the room. The people who had been less to be been to less of the yeah. previous you, uh, you'd be further parties. at the back of the room which was fine actually the hilarious thing about SEL just before you finish your story there was that the the room that all the regulars who had been there from the beginning were in was the worst room it was a tiny little room oh so this was before they had it in the hallway yeah before they had it in the hall when yeah. it was in a disused office space and there were two main areas there was the you know the, the main the first room you went into as you entered this this kind of empty office space. 
It was quite a small room. It had lots of glass windows, but that caused glare. So the windows were covered in black plastic. So in the middle of summer, it was stinking hot. Yeah. And the other room was much larger and had less windows. So it was much cooler. But somehow the larger, cooler room, which was much more comfortable, was actually the room where the people who hadn't been to as many lands ended up in. I, I never understood how that worked, but right. Yeah. Anyway, continue with your story. <laughs> so yeah, so you'd be, I would be sitting at the back of the room because I was, you know, late to this sort of stuff, and um, yeah, you'd look up from your monitor and you'd just look over and you think everyone's playing the same video game, or did have a group of people playing video games and another group of people playing. So you could look up and you could see what everyone's up to, and then there'd be like one or two people. And you'd be looking at the monitor and go, "What the fuck is going on there?" And they're just there's some hardcore porn just getting played, yeah, they're and just, they're just they're just watching porn, just sitting there watching porn. And I'm just like, "I've been doing this for fucking hours. What is wrong with these people? Like, is it really the place to be watching porn?" Yeah, well, apparently it was for quite a few people. Um, I, I think strange. because you know this was pre uh, broadband days, most people were still on dial up. So yeah, you know, land parties were an opportunity to not just play games but to exchange. You know, movies and porn, porn. <laughs> so but, you know that they'll probably just finish downloading all this new porn. So they wanted to try it out. Yeah. Where did the people originally get the porn from? Like, did they? The people with dial-up just went, "Oh, I'll download that," and then they sat there for a week downloading one porno. No. Well, that's that's the other thing too. There were there were a couple of guys who um, either worked at ISPs or lived up in Sydney and had cable internet. So they would download like gigs and gigs of porn, yeah, um, and bring that down with them and share it with with everybody who was at the lab. Yeah. So that, yeah, yeah, it was very strange. It, it, it was very strange. I I don't think I've actually been to any other land that kind of had quite as much uh, kind of porn porn transfer <laughs> watching well, as SCL. Let's let's be honest. It was narrow. There's not <laughs> much else now, to yeah. do apart from play video games or watch porn. <laughs> yeah, that probably explains it. Yeah. Um, so did you, I don't know if you were aware this week, it might have been last week, that uh, Nara was mentioned on uh, Shit Towns Australia or something on Facebook. Did you hear about this? Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'd like to say I was surprised, but I'm not. No, no, it was quite funny. And then um, quite a few people got their nose out of joint about it and... Um, even narrow memes. I don't know if you've seen narrow memes on Facebook. They like to slag themselves off about, you know, most of the people are narrow meth addicts or, you know, yeah. they they even they got the shits about being named in the shittiest town in Australia. Um, so, you know, they started asking the people that were running shit towns Australia if they wanted to come and have a fight. <laughs> Which is obviously the perfect response. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just confirming their position. Yeah, yeah. In in the uh, in the rankings there. Yeah, and then obviously Shit Towns Australia decided to respond with um, a uh, an online a poll. An online poll. Um, what's wh- who's shitter, Nara or Wagga Wagga? And they were saying Wagga's so shit they got to call it Wagga twice. So then yeah. they started calling Nara 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 because <laughs> it's shit as well. See, I, I I disagree with that. I think having grown up in Wagga. And then having lived in Nara for, for some time, Nara is much shitter than Wagga. Well, I've never been. I don't. I don't well, Wagga's just a country town. Yeah. Yeah. There's not much to do because it's a country town, but it's not shit. No. It's oh. just a country town. So yeah, I I can't, I can't comment on Wagga, so I'm I'm not gonna. I mean, Wagga has some cultural icons like the 
main street where you can drive your car up and down. It's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Has more pubs per per capita or did back years ago when right. I was living there than any other town in Australia. Yeah. So the, the one of the big things they said about Nara was the river, how how the river's like the only the only reason it's any good is is cuz it acts as a moat for the people that live in North Nara and Bomadary, which I thought was kind of funny. And the, and most of the residents in Nara biff trolleys into the into the river. Yeah, I'm sure the supermarkets lose a lot of trolleys into the river. Yeah. So, anyway, touching on two two of your your hometowns at some stage. So, yeah, I lived in Nara for a little while. Wasn't a big fan, if I must admit. Couldn't wait to get the fuck out, if I'm honest with you. There you go. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really want to uh, stay in Nara for too long. No, it's funny. It's one of those places, most of my friends that I met in Nara, they all don't live there anymore. And the only one that does, he had kids and was married very young. And I don't know, I don't know why he stays because most of his family live in Sydney. Yeah, it's very bizarre. See, that that's the thing I think is a uh, good indication of uh, you know Wagga being slightly less shit than Nara, is you know everyone I knew growing up in Wagga, they all left because well, there's not much to do there unless you want to do some farming. But a few of them have actually gone back again. Yeah. So, you know, they got to their late 30s, they've, they've got kids and whatnot, and they went, oh, actually, Wagga's kind of a good place to bring up kids, and they moved back there again. So, yeah, right. it's kind of, it can't be as shit as Nara, because people actually do want to go back. In saying that, Nara seems like a magnet. Like, people leave Nara, and somehow end up back there somehow. Even if it's just back for, like, to visit people, you just can't seem to stay away from the place. It's, I don't know, it's like a... Like a fucking homing beacon or some shit. <laughs> Black hole. Oh, it's fucked. Like I hate the place. I still have to. I end up having to go back there every now and again for some something or another. Talking about shitholes, I went to Canberra this week. I'm not saying Canberra's a shithole, but it is very boring. <laughs> oh, look, I don't mind Canberra. Canberra. The only thing I'd say is why the fuck is everything so far apart from each other? Each suburb, like if it's supposed to be a city. Build it like a city where you start inside and work your way out. Canberra seems to be like they built the city and then they built the suburbs fucking miles away and now they're starting to sort of build in a little bit to add into the city. It's fucking weird. Like, oh, anyway, we went to the National Dinosaur Museum. My son wanted to go there during the school holidays. Wasn't impressed. For a National Dinosaur Museum, it was, it was poorly run. It uh, was contradictory with its information, and I don't think I saw one actual dinosaur bone. They were all casts, which I was a little disappointed about. Right, yeah, because you can go to the Natural History Museum in Sydney, and they've got a ton of actual dinosaur skeletons. Yeah, so I think this is not a government-based... You know how like the Natural History Museum has got you know backing by the government? Yeah. I think this place is very... Uh, it's purely commercial operation, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and you could sort of tell because it was very cheaply done. So, so they just call it national because it's in Canberra, but it's yeah. really, there's no national, it's not run by the federal government. Or no, anything. but the fact that it's a museum, you'd think when they put a display out and they've got the description underneath it, that they would get their grammar and spelling correct as well, wouldn't you? You'd hope somebody would proofread. No. No, not in this case. So there was a few times we looked at some things and I'm like, that doesn't even make any sense. And you sort of have to either take a letter out or 
change a word to a completely different word to make it make sense and then you go oh i see what's happened here that either spelling corrects changed it to a different word or somebody just typed it incorrectly and they just went oh fuck it that'll do it was very weird and and it contradicted itself you, you you'd be reading one thing about a trinosaurus rex and apparently they don't roar and or they didn't roar or um, something and then you go around and then they've got like a me- mechanized t-rex and then it's standing there roaring at you and you're just like well, the fucking sign just there said it doesn't so what i don't get it it was very fucking weird and then we went downstairs and all the computers had shit themselves at the till so everyone was having a fucking panic attack so <laughs> anyway the main reason i go to canberra in fact i very much doubt you've ever been to a place called kingsley's takeaway mm-hmm. joint never been it's a, it's a chicken shop so i'm not surprised but they do the best chips and gravy you've ever had. It's unbelievable. Anyway, I'm so surprised. They've got like five or six of these. I don't know if they're franchises or what they are in Canberra. I've never seen them anywhere else. It's very weird. It's, it's almost mm. like a McDonald's kind of franchise. I've actually seen that before in Canberra. There's There's been like franchises, but they're specific to Canberra. Yeah. So I, I did a bit of Google research on Kingsley's. And said, is there any other Kingsley's outside of Canberra? <laughs> and the only one was in Queenbeyan, which is basically fucking Canberra, Canberra anyway. anyway yeah. So that was kind of frustrating, but anyway. Yeah, Canberra's... Yeah. They, do you know they've got trams there now? Trams in yeah. Canberra? Yes. So they just go round and round in circles because all the roads are curved? No. Well, I did, I'll be honest with you. I, didn't, I only saw probably about a kilometre of tramway, but it was coming right out to the National Exhibition Centre where, where they have some of that. So um, I don't know. Don't know where they go. If I'm perfectly honest with you, but um, it was quite a surprise to see trams in Canberra. Talking about Canberra, we've got a friend that lives in Canberra, don't we? Hmm. Jason Lurch. I think he's on Twitter doing his computer rebuilds and things like that. Yep. He's another another one from SCL. Yep. Fanatic about old computers. Yeah. Has a quite large collection of historical computers. Yeah. I wonder if he's going to. I mean, perfect opportunity for him to start the National Computer Museum. Absolutely, yeah. In in fact, probably what he's got in his garage would be enough for a, a start on a museum. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we should talk to him about that. That's a good business mm. opportunity. He, he can make some money to buy more old computers. Yeah. Well, he seems to be buying a lot of that shit. But I'm actually disappointed because I used to have quite a large collection of old computers. Right. But I threw them all out. Okay. I'm kind of disappointed that I did. I probably should have kept some of them because kind of some people are co- you know very keen on uh, old computers and yep. probably. Uh, did you did you ever have an Atari twenty six hundred? No, no, I never actually had any Ataris. Uh-huh. I, I kind of had weird, more commercial, business, industrial computers than uh, right than the traditional Commodore sixty four. So, kind of. did you have an an Amiga? Uh, no, I didn't have an Amiga either. I, lots of friends had Amigas, and I played. You lived under a rock. I, What's going on? I, I probably did more uh, gaming on Amigas than I did uh, on on anything else in that. That time, yeah, right. Uh, you know, I had like Zilog uh, Z80. See, now I don't time. even know what the fuck you're talking about. Now, yep. if I'm honest with you, did you did you have a, like a Nintendo or a Sega or anything like? That? No, no, my I never had gaming consoles. My oh, first okay. gaming console was a PlayStation Three. Yeah, fan or not fan? Oh, I, I like the PlayStation Three. It's good. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, I never never had any of the Nintendos. No, uh, yeah. None of the um, yeah, right. Sega systems or thought you'd have been like all that. over that. Yeah, I was, I was always uh, PC gaming, so I kind of started PC gaming with two eight sixes, and just stayed with PC gaming 
pretty much from then on. Fair enough. Back I was, in the when games came on lots of floppy disks. Yeah, yeah. I remember having Street Fighter 2 on my Amiga. Yeah. That was four floppy disks. Yeah, and you had to change them, like, in fights. Because no, oh, you picked it... a different character, you've got to load the floppy disk now, because it's got to load that character. Well, I had I had an external drive as well, as because I had an Amiga... Which one did I have? I had the one um, that didn't have the numbers, the number pad on the side. So it was just the, the QWERTY keyboard with the numbers above it. Yep. Um, I think it was an A16. I don't know. I'm... Anyway, so it had the disk drive in the side of it. Yep. And I had an external disk drive for it as well. Yeah, so you have two disk drives. So I had two disk drives. Yep. So I had, the, I had disk three and disk four going, so I never had to change it during a fight. But it did take, did have to change the disks whilst it was loading up, which is a bit of a pain in the ass. Yeah. So, I do, I, I did have another game. I don't even remember what this game was. And it had six discs to load up, and it was a fucking pain in the ass, that was. Yeah. Those kind of games were the worst. Yeah. Like, every level would be like, oh, please insert disc five. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever play Lemmings? Like, uh, yes, I did. Not, not when the first Lemmings came out. I played Lemmings later on on the PC. Right, a, a later Lemmings. I can't even remember which Lemmings it was. Yeah, I was a big fan of Lemmings, but anyway, and they, they would that was done by Sensible, I think, and they also did Sensible Soccer. I didn't mind yeah. that one as well. That was pretty good. So a little game that Alan and I played a couple of episodes back is um, is it a sport? Right. Yep. So I'm getting increasingly frustrated by people calling things sports that are clearly not sports. It depends on your definition of sport. I think some some people treat uh, you know anything that you can play competitively or be obsessed with is a sport. But yeah, I, I agree. Some things that people call sports are not sports. Have you heard of cornhole? The game? No. Cornhole. So it's an American thing where they get like a sack of corn, and they stand x amount of feet away from basically a plank with a hole in it. And you piff this bag of corn. Whole, whole cobs or it, individual kernels? No, no, like individual. like Dried kernels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if it goes in a hole, then you get X amount of points. If you get close to it, you get X amount of points. And apparently this is now turned into a professional sport. Right, yeah. Yeah, so is that a sport? Well, I, I guess if you can go professional and get sponsorship for throwing corn in a hole... It must be a sport. Is poker a sport? See, I, I, I don't think poker is a sport. Even though it's... Why got... is it on ESPN then? <laughs> because people will watch it, so yeah. they'll put it on there to make money. So this is my argument. What defines a sport? My argument is you have to exert a fair amount of energy for it, it to be a sport. I think it has to have some physical component. Otherwise, it's just a game. Yeah. Like, poker is a game. See, darts... Would you class that as a sport or would you class it as a game? I think darts could be a sport. Most people would call it a game, but I think it could be a sport because it actually takes physical precision. Yeah. The same as snooker as well. Snooker is a sport because it's it takes, also a game, isn't it? It takes physical finesse yeah. um, to be able to but play it well. So you say that poker... It does take some physical finesse because people what, have to, to maintain your expression. Uh, yeah, it yeah. takes a bit of effort. Or um, you read but, that, but that's bodies. not really the core of the game, is it? The core of the game is the luck of the draw. <laughs> well, you know, it's playing the odds and you know, kind of 
judging when to when to bet and yeah. yeah that that's more of a game than yes keeping a poker face is yeah part of it but that's so what about things really. like skateboarding skateboarding i think can be a sport but it's it's okay. it's entirely physical you know you can do it competitively but there's lots of things that are physical that is just a pastime it's not really a sport like taking your dog for a walk is that a sport if you could do it competitively, yes. How would you do it? Well, it's, it's like the dog trials and obedience stuff. That, that's the sport. Now, see, this is an argument that I had with Alan too. I'm not a massive fan of any sport that includes doing something to or with an animal that the animal doesn't really want to do. It's only doing it because you're kind of making it do it. See, I, I think the, like the dog um, kind of obstacle courses and stuff, I, I think they're probably one of the things that... The animal most wants to do really like dogs love that kind of stuff whereas you know something like i don't know dressage or something yeah horses don't really want to do no that. so that was my argument dressage horse ride racing greyhound racing not massive fantasy that's not a sport because you're not even doing it you're just sitting there watching it that's yeah that... it's an animal sport yeah it's, it's not a human sport but they're clear like they don't really want to be there those those dogs like they're pissed off when they, you put them in those little huts or whatever they they call them at the beginning of the race you can tell yeah, them i mean right. greyhounds love running so I, I think you know well well trained and um kind of happy greyhounds probably don't mind being there it probably is a bit a bit of a stressful situation just because of all the other dogs around but yeah i, I think the actual act of running around the track they love that so horse riding horse racing Horse racing, yeah, I'm not really a fan of. I think, well, it, I think it's cool. It's, it's tech, yeah. I, I think it's cruel as well. Yeah, which is the main reason why I'm not not a fan of it. But technically, it probably is a sport because the jockeys do actually physically ride the horses. But it's yeah, yeah. But it's it's battle of the midgets, really, there, isn't it? And I know Alan Alan would have said straight away, "Can't say midgets. I've done it. Deal with it. It's it is battle of the small people." Yeah, well, it's it's. No different to basketball, right? Well, see, this was that, another that's argument. That's the battle of the tall people. This is something Alan touched on, I think, last week. There was a there was a woman who is a runner from Africa somewhere, and um, she's got really high testosterone levels in her blood or in her, in her system, and it's just naturally occurring. Um, but because they're so high, it's caused her to grow more muscle mass, and yeah, yeah. So, so she's been banned from these sports because. She's got an unfair advantage, apparently. Yeah. So it, apparently, they're saying it'd be the same as if she was on some sort of steroids or, or whatever the case might be, which I thought was ridiculous because it's just genetics. Yeah. It's the way it is. So, basketball, like I said to Alan, if that's the case, then if you're tall, you shouldn't be allowed to play because you've got an yeah, unfair advantage. Yeah, if you're advantage. over six foot four, you shouldn't be able to play basketball. Yeah. It's an unfair advantage. Yeah. So, with a jockey, if you're too small, can't, sorry, mate, you can't do it. It's an unfair yeah, advantage. Yeah, yeah. You're under five foot. You weigh less than <laughs> 60 kilos. Sorry, you can't ride a, yeah. ride a horse. It, it is kind of ridiculous, but I, it's kind of... A lot of those rules, though, are entirely arbitrary in any sport, right? Yeah. I mean, look at Formula One. It's a classic example of arbitrary rules to try and make things close, right? That, that's what all those rules are about yeah. in sport, right? They're just trying to make the competition close because yeah. if the somebody comes along and they're smashing everybody every single time and winning everything, that's not very exciting for the spectators. No, that's right. Yeah, and I guess that's why a lot of the sports in Australia have salary caps to try and keep yeah. some sort of 
I mean, but that, I mean, that, I mean, that, 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 that's not so much about the sport as the business model, because they know if a if a team starts winning, they'll get more money. They'll be able to buy more players yep. and get more wins and get more money, and then yeah, they'll but... be completely dominant. It's that's trying to balance out the whole, you know, the whole game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. the the idea with salary cap on, on rugby league and things like that was was so that people. Um, so that the, 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 the competition is close. You never have one sort of dominant side that just for decades or years is just completely on top, even though that seems to be happening at the moment anyway. Um, but yeah, it's just so... But, but hopefully that's not because of money. Hopefully that's just because they ended up with a really good coach or a couple yeah. of really good players for other reasons, not just because they bought them. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, I guess with soccer, it's a little bit harder because... Most most things in soccer is driven by money, mm. um, and it always will be. Unfortunately, it's just the way it is. Yeah, I think the um, fo- football in Australia, or you know, NRL or whatever, it, even though it's fully professional and all the players jump around a bit now, it's it's still closer to the the kind of traditional club arrangement where yep. you play for your your local club, you move up the ranks in that local club, and then you get to the highest level and you're still playing for that club. Yeah. And then that's when you start moving around, obviously, after that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, once you've reached the top level, you might start going to other clubs. Yeah. When you've kind of, you know, reached the limit of what your club might be able to achieve or whatever, but generally, you know, you'd work your way up in one club. Yeah. Do you know any of the latest uh, news on Israel Folau? Anything? Well, well how's his... Uh, his a uh, Kickstarter fundraising uh, campaign going these days. Well, I think the uh, the Christian lobby group um, paused it at two point two million dollars, which has got me interested as to who the type of people that are actually donating large amount of cash towards this preposterous bullshit. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not just uh, you know sports fans. I mean, nobody's going to contribute to a fund like that just because they they want to see him play are they no i mean you know he's the, the other thing too is he, he's he's he'd already be fairly well off wouldn't he well this was the he's argument that alan career. alan and i made when he's asking for people to donate three million um when he's probably got the money sitting in the bank yeah or invested or, or, somewhere or at least be able to uh yeah come up with it from his yeah yeah his but capital the dirty piece of shit that he is when he started his Kickstarter campaign, in the fine print at the bottom, it clearly said that if he didn't use all of the money for his legal costs, that he was able to keep what was left over for himself. Right. So it's 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 a profit making scheme as well. Excellent. Sounds like it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So the Christian lobby group have uh, have helped him out, and uh, yeah, two point two million to start him start off his legal campaign, which seems a little. Astronomical yep, to me is defend my uh, public bigotry campaign. Yep. Yeah. So um, apparently, the argument at the moment is that it was a um, freedom of religion is his argument that he should be he should be yep. free within his workplace to practice his own religious beliefs. Yeah, which is all very well, except you know he's not just kind of in a normal workplace, he's signed a contract which restricts his activities outside of his normal workplace, you know, playing sport. Yeah. 
and that's part of the contract. If you sign that, then you know, you're accepting that it's not a standard job. If you're working in an office and you know, you've got a normal employment contract, as most people would have, then yes, you probably are free to say whatever bigoted bullshit you want on your Facebook page and nobody's really going to no. try and fire you for it. But if, if you're a public figure and has have signed a contract that says you must you know, um, keep to these uh, particular standards of, of behaviour, then, well, you should keep to those or you're in breach of your contract. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's telling him he can't practice his religion. I think it's just you can't spew the hate that you were spewing on social media is the problem. Yeah, yeah, um, it's got nothing to do with actually practising your religion because you can do that without being in a public forum that's that's got nothing to do with practicing your religion no that's right i mean at the end of the day uh, i mean is it really practicing religion by saying on social media that you know homosexuals and whoever else it was that he targeted in that thing is going to burn in hell yeah no it's not it's like if i i you know come up with my own religion and i say part of my religious practices is i need to go and punch people in the face every day yeah um that's not going to be very good defence when I go to court for assault. No, it's not. However, sign me up. Because <laughs> usually throughout every day of my life... You find somebody who somebody needs punching in the face? I feel like punching at least one person in the face. Yeah. Never act on it, but feel like it. So that would be great. Um, however, yeah, so the the religion bashing that we, we tend to send, do on this podcast... Um, Look, we're not aiming at anybody specifically. It's just a matter of, I think, the the opinionated um, people is is the the biggest thing that, that gripes us. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm obviously a, an atheist, but um, I, I have no problem with people practicing their their religious, you know, or you know, believing whatever they want to believe. Yeah, it's uh, when they try to start making other people believe what they want to believe. Yeah. Um, you know, and forcing people to do things they don't want to do or just being obnoxious um, to, to other people. Yeah. Then that's a problem. And that, that doesn't just apply to religion. It applies to, uh, you know, political ideology as well. If yeah. you're, you know, a racist asshole then, yeah, I don't think you should be able to be a racist asshole, you know. But I think, actually, that just touches on something, really, is it all coming back to the same sort of thing? Being racist, um, being um, obnoxious about your religion, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, it's very much the same mentality. It's, you know, thinking you're you and the, you know, um, people like you are better than other people, um, whether that's because you believe different things or you have a different coloured skin. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the same, same mindset. Yeah, I mean it's all um, discriminatory behaviour. Yeah, I suppose is one way to put it. So, yeah, not a, not a huge uh, religion fan, if I'm honest with you. I, I find too many things. Um, goes against my not beliefs I would say but more my values as a human um, with a lot of religions yeah yeah I mean that 
yeah, the idea of religion as a, I guess as an abstract concept is, uh, you know, doesn't seem so bad. But when you come down to what actual religions teach and what they kind of do to their followers and society as a whole, mm. uh, I think most of them are quite harmful. Mm. What are your thoughts on, um, say, the Catholic Church and the the ridiculous amount of gold and money and and what whatnot that they've got uh, back in them? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I guess that's no different to um, kind of what individuals and politicians have done over the, uh, the centuries. They've just been at it for a very long time and accumulated a huge amount of um, wealth. I, I really don't think it goes against the... It goes, you know, along with the um, kind of fundamental... Uh, supposed tenets of uh, Christianity to collect that much wealth and power and, um, you know, real estate, but, uh, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, as far as I'm, uh, the way I look at it is it seems like the funds or the, you know, value of um, whatever it is that they've got, it's almost like they're, um, they're false idol that they're supposed to not have, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I was under the belief that, you know, the Catholic Church and and being a priest and all the rest of it was so that you, you go amongst the people when you're... And, and it's supposed to be serving the community. Yeah. So how come when you go to a lot of Catholic-run uh, events or, or um, services or what have you in the church, they've always seems to have that little plate starts coming out? Yeah, well, that's how they make their money. Yeah, but, you know, why? Why do they need it? And why aren't they getting taxed on it? Yeah, well, the uh, you know the, the not being taxed on it is one of the things I object to of, about religion in uh, in modern society. Mm. You know, uh, unless they are purely doing things that are charitable and beneficial to um, society, then they shouldn't be tax free. Um, and clearly, that's not all they do. You know, yes, like most churches do do some charitable works, but you know, often that's actually entirely separate to the church itself. It's kind of associated uh, organisations rather than the church itself. Yet the the whole church is uh, is tax exempt. So just looking at a, um, a thing here on the website, on sorry, on Google. Um, this is from Fairfax. Fairfax's six month investigation found the Catholic Church was worth more than nine billion dollars in victoria alone yeah yeah that's mental yeah how much is uh um, amazon worth uh amazon's worth a lot more than that but yeah um yeah i'm not sure what uh jeff bezos's personal wealth is it's probably like 100 billion dollars or something so nationally the catholic church is worth 30 million or 30 billion in yeah. australia which probably is not its biggest Catholic or biggest supported country. So you... no, definitely not. I mean, there'd be way, way larger uh, populations, and therefore more uh, opportunity to uh, make money in uh, in parts of Europe and uh, you know parts of uh, South America as well. So Amazon's net worth as of Friday was one hundred and thirty-four billion. So 
in theory, the, the uh, Catholic Church is worth more than, or probably worth more than the than Amazon and Microsoft and oh, yeah, Apple de- definitely. combined. If you, if you count it as one large organisation, which it is, because it has you know one top level uh, management with the, uh, the well, Pope the, and the CEO, all the, the, the Pope, uh, the CEO, the Cardinals. Uh, so then, would that not make the the Pope the richest person in the world? Well, I can, he technically, he's controlling the richest organization in the world. Personally, he's not yeah not that wealthy, but yeah, uh, yeah as an organization, definitely. It's yeah, it must. I must admit, it was annoying. I I did go to a uh, going back to the the plate coming out of the service. I went to a christening. Oh, a few years ago now and I refused to put money in it and my my partner at the time got all funny with me she goes oh you've got to put something in it I was like why why do I need to put money like I've got I haven't got much money so why should I be giving it to a basically a company that has you know more money than pretty much everybody combined they don't need my money yeah and I I, you know nah fucking ridiculous yeah I, I think the um the televangelists in in the states are the most amusing. Oh, the ones that stand that stand up on TV and they they're crying out for people to ring in and yeah yeah. Why are you why are people donating? Like, what are they trying to get the money for? I think the uh, the, the general stick is that uh, you know by giving to them, um, God will grant you you know, good things in your life. Entirely non-specific. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a uh, a religion pyramid scheme. You know, give, give all your money to the televangelists and somehow something will, will happen that's, uh, that's good for you. But the, the hilarious thing is that they're completely open about the fact that they you know, have private jets and yeah. multiple mansions and all this stuff. And they, they actually boast on their TV shows about how much money people are giving them. Like it's a good thing. Yeah. And what is your thoughts on the... Uh, the uh, we'll edit that out. Keeping you up. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the faith healers? Well, it's just one of many uh, kind of uh, woo kind of uh, healing uh, techniques. I mean, there's... there's there's dozens of them, uh, you know, homeopathy, acupuncture. Oh, I, I heard about a wonderful. I've heard that acupuncture is actually quite legitimate and actually does the, does the no, trick. It's completely another bullshit. They reckon it's like I've had a GP telling me I should probably go to release muscle tension. Well, I mean, you, you could also take a sugar pill. Um, if you believe in that, it'll have the same effect. Yeah. The, the effect of, of acupuncture is the effect of placebo. Is, have you got any proof on that? There have been many, many scientific papers yeah, right. measuring the effect of acupuncture and it is the rate of placebo. Even the ones that, like, they're specifically jabbing you in the muscle, in muscles to try and yeah. release tension in your muscles? Yeah. Yeah, right, okay. Fair enough. I did not know that. Yeah. I it, thought it was actually a legitimate thing. Well, that that's the thing. They work very hard to um, try and make it legitimate right. because... You know, obviously, the more people who believe it's legitimate, you know, the more money they can make out of it. Or, yeah. you know, and, uh, I think most of the people who practice those those things, whether it's acupuncture or you know 
homeopathy or faith healing. I, I think a lot of them actually believe they're not they're not necessarily charlatans. They actually believe themselves, but what they're doing is a you know actual system that works, and yep. they're actually doing you know good to people. And because of the placebo effect, most of their patients believe that. Yeah, they're, they're they're getting good treatment. Somebody somebody said it well to me once. Um, homeopathy, um, combined with proper medicine or combined with me- actual medicine or you know doctors yeah. or whatever, can be beneficial for your own personal well being because it will make you feel better. Yeah. So if it's making you if it's making you feel better in your mind, and you're still going to see a doctor and getting proper treatment. Yeah. for whatever you have wrong with you then you know it could have uh, not a healing um aspect to it but yeah, it, but it's a psychological you, yeah. uh, effect that makes yeah. you feel so better so, yeah. some people uh, homeopathy isn't just one thing like you can have like homeopathy um counseling and you can have homeopathy uh, massage and all these sorts of stuff so mm. some of that sort of stuff i guess as long as you walk out feeling a little bit better yeah, and, and I think done that, the job, I guess. Th- that's why a lot of those things, homeopathy, acupuncture, um, naturopathy and stuff, they get... Um, pe- people are uh, generally more positive about them is because the, the consultations have a lot of personal interaction mm. and the people who practice it often spend more time and have quite close relationships with their their patients that a more conventional doctor might not because you know they had um short short uh, you know appointment windows they're trying to get through yep. lots of people you know they're just trying to do it as efficiently as possible which doesn't necessarily from a psychological point of view make you feel like you're getting as good treatment yeah um when you know from a purely scientific point of view, you're probably getting all the um, kind of physical treatment you need. Yep. But uh, yeah, people people feel better about somebody who talks to them about all their problems and mm. kind of yeah, it, it's more involved. So. so, so do you think that homeopathy could be some something a bit like psychology? Yeah, in a way, I guess. But the the, the issue is not. To, uh, you know, when, when people uh, use it as complementary uh, medicine, which is this kind of term of uh, that uh, people like to use for all those um, kind of alternative uh, medicines, yeah. Um, when they're used in conjunction, as you say, with conventional medicine that actually fixes the serious things that are wrong with you, then there's probably not a problem. The issue is when people go, oh, I'm going to go and get, uh, you know, a homeopathic treatment for cancer. Yeah. And oh, then they die. Yeah. I mean, that, that's happened too, hasn't it? I yeah, mean, it's happened many, many times. It happens all the time. There was an entire um, clinic in the in the States, I think it was called the Gershwin Clinic or something. Um, and they operated for quite a few years doing, uh, you know, homeopathic, um, you know, treatments for cancer specifically. Yeah. And um, there was a, there was a study done after it was um, shut down for followed up with the patients, and out of the um, 
the patients they could identify from their their records um i think all but one of them was dead yeah oh well yeah i mean so uh, as a percentage outcome for uh your cancer treatment that's not particularly good no no well i mean i've i've, I've heard that it's nonsense really yeah <laughs> like i said it's more of a psychological thing i don't think it actually physically heals anything so no well the, i mean the the percentage of uh dilution of the um the, the active ingredients in their so-called medicine mm. um is so low that it, there's actually none of the active ingredient in anything, any homeopathic treatment. And that's kind of one of the features of its, you know, of homeopathy is the fact that there is so little in the, that you act, of the active ingredient that yeah. you're actually getting. That's, in, in their theory, that's supposed to actually make it work better. Yeah. yeah which but... makes no sense whatsoever. No, I guess not. No. Anyway, I think uh, we're going to have to wrap it up soon because it's uh, starting to push the boundaries of an hour and a half here of recording anyway. So, um, yeah, bit of a different podcast today than our usual usual, (laughs) uh, lineup, but um, hope you enjoyed it nonetheless and uh, we'll have have Joshua come back soon. Um, Yeah, speak again next week.